Welcome to Connect the Dots with Obianiju, where we expose the links between harmful ideologies and harmful policies. One of the first moves that President Trump made when he got into office in 2017 was to reinstate the Mexico City policy that states that the United States, especially the executive branch, will no longer give funding to any organization that provides or promotes abortion in their international work. Now, this reinstatement of the Mexico City policy has then seen millions of dollars taken away from the international abortion industry. Well, now the U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has recently announced a further tightening of this rule by reducing the funding that the United States gives to the OAS, the Organization of American States. And the OAS, of course, is the umbrella organization that includes all the 35 countries of North and South America and promotes regional cooperation. So let me give you the background here. Back in February, Secretary Pompeo received a letter from nine American senators who had told him that there were agencies within the Organization of American States, the OAS, that were promoting abortion. And that then led him to this point where he made this announcement. Now, as a result of my decision today, we're also making clear we will refuse to provide assistance to foreign NGOs that give financial support to other foreign groups in the global abortion industry. We will enforce a strict prohibition on backdoor funding schemes and add runs around our policy. American taxpayer dollars will not be used to underwrite abortions. This brings me to my second announcement. We are also fully enforcing federal law prohibiting the, the use of U.S. funds, including foreign assistance, to lobby for or against abortion otherwise known as the Siljander Amendment. In light of recent evidence of abortion-related advocacy by an organ, of the or an organ of the Organization of American States, I directed my team to include a provision in foreign assistance agreements with the OAS that explicitly prohibits the use of funds to lobby for or against abortion. So the organ of the OAS that you hear him talking about in the video were actually these two agencies within the OAS, the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights and the Inter-American Commission of Women, which are these two agencies within the Organization of American States that have been running around advocating for the legalization of abortion throughout the Americas. And also in addition to these two agencies, the Secretary General of the OAS, Luis Almagro, has himself been advocating for the liberalization of abortion laws in the region. But the Trump administration really means business because as we saw from the press release by Secretary Pompeo, the administration is working very hard to close up loopholes that enable backdoor funding schemes of abortion advocacy. And as Secretary Pompeo said at some point during his press conference, what the OAS should really be focused on at this point in time are the crises that we are seeing in Venezuela, in Nicaragua, in Cuba. Those are the places where there are problems in the Americas. And that's what the OAS should really be working on at this point and not the promotion of abortion. And what was the reaction of the pro-abortion movement and the pro-abortion politicians of the West to this announcement by Secretary Pompeo? They all went crazy. For example, Liana Wen, the president of Planned Parenthood Federation of America, described this move by the Trump administration as unethical, dangerous and unacceptable. And Nancy Pelosi, 
What did Nancy Pelosi have to say about this? There is no end to the depth of the Trump administration's cruelty. According to Nancy Pelosi, saving the lives of unborn babies now counts as cruelty. Oh well, you can't please everyone. So for the next news item, we still stay in the Americas because there is something to be seen there. You see, the first world is addicted to interfering in the internal affairs of developing countries. In previous episodes, we've highlighted Western liberal ideological imperialism in Africa. Well, this month, we're bringing you a report from El Salvador in Central America. El Salvador's constitution actually recognizes that human life begins at conception and offers strong protections for the lives of unborn babies. And this is a position that is supported by an overwhelming majority of Salvadorians. You see, a few years ago, a Pew Research survey showed that 85% of the population surveyed in El Salvador said that abortion was completely unacceptable to them. And only 2%, 2%, actually said abortion was acceptable to them. So El Salvador, one can say, is a pro-life country. But none of that stopped Germany, France, and the European Union from sending their ambassadors to attend the pro-abortion feminist march that was held last month in the capital, San Salvador. And this march was actually calling for, among other things, the abortion laws to be changed in the country. Ambassadors Bernd Fink from Germany, David Easel from France, and Andrew Basols from the European Union, three of them attended this protest march to mark the International Women's Day. And to make it clear where they stood on abortion particularly, they wore the green scarf, this green scarf that now symbolizes the feminist abortion movement across Latin America. Now, it is very significant to have these three European ambassadors attending a protest such as this one, a protest that was really partly about shoving abortion down the throat of Salvadorians. For example, look at this banner that was placed by the protesters right outside the Metropolitan Cathedral in San Salvador. How insensitive. Now, on the same day, Ambassador David Ezo's boss, President Emmanuel Macron, was receiving Salvadorian film director Marcela Zamora Chamorro at the presidential palace in Paris. And it's quite important to note that Zamora is a fervent advocate for abortion rights. Meanwhile, the EU's ambassador, Andrew Vassols, criticized what he described as El Salvador's painful deficiencies in sexual and reproductive health. So there you have it, a pretty shameless attempt by three powerful first world governments to undermine the democratic autonomy of a developing country. The Salvadoran people's strong opposition to pro-abortion agenda does not deter Germany, France and the EU from trying to impose their own liberal social ideology on a nation that is poorer and less influential than theirs. Make no mistakes about this. This is a form of bullying. It is a wealthy nation saying to a poorer one, we know what is good for you. 
This is cultural imperialism and it is pure hypocrisy. I describe it as hypocrisy because it is the same Western nations who are we here complaining about Russian interference in different countries around the world. And yet these same countries, they are the ones going to governments of poorer countries and trying to force them to legalize abortion against the wishes of the people, against the values of the people, even when the people are overwhelmingly pro-life. Shame on you. Shame on you, Western governments who are engaging in this kind of cultural imperialism and ideological neocolonialism. Shame on you. So going from Central America all the way across the world to East Asia, where the Constitutional Court of South Korea has recently ruled that abortion should be legalized in the country. This overturns a 1953 law that restricts access to abortion with a few exceptions. The court voted by a majority of seven judges to two to have abortion legalized, and they have now given the South Korean government up until December 2020 to have the laws amended. It is worth noting that the pro-abortion advocates have pushed for this change through the courts rather than through the country's National Assembly via democratic means. But what is particularly remarkable in the South Korean case is really what is happening with the country's birth rate. Back in the 1960s, the South Korean government started a policy of birth control to reduce the number of children per household to not more than two. As in other countries, the population control policy produced unintended consequences. The birth rate then plummeted to below generational replacement rate. At the moment, in fact, South Korea has the fourth lowest birth rate in the world at just 0.96 children per woman. This is leading to a rapidly aging population and storing up severe economic problems for a nation that was once dubbed as one of East Asia's tiger economies. The annual number of births is just now above the annual number of deaths. On current trends, South Korea is heading for an absolute fall in population, a demographic crisis. The fact is that illegal abortions account for a part in this drop in birth rate and the authorities have turned a blind eye because it was really in line with their own population control intentions. However, when the birth rate started approaching a dangerous level about a decade ago, the government started applying the existing bans more rigorously as well as giving financial incentives to couples for having more children. So far, all this has failed as birth rates still continue its downward spiral, a case perhaps of too little too late. Now comes the decision of the Constitutional Court to set aside the legal ban on abortion. This will only make the country's demographic crisis worse. The court's decision has already been criticized by Catholic church leaders, including the Archbishop of Seoul, Cardinal Andrew Yo Su Jung, and the Catholic Bishops' Conference of Korea. On the other hand, though, pro-abortion advocates in South Korea, as well as across the Western world, have been celebrating this decision, seemingly in denial of the harm that it's going to do. Not only will the lives of countless unborn babies be ended, but the future of the whole country of South Korea is being put in further jeopardy.
to the segment that I love so much, which is the segment on what I have been up to in the last couple of weeks. I went to the European Parliament. Yes, you heard me right. I was invited to speak at the European Parliament in Brussels at the invitation of the European People's Party's working group on bioethics and human dignity. I know it's a mouthful, but this was a really amazing event. It was uh, an event that was put up in what they call, during what they call the Week for Life at the European Parliament, the Week for Life. And this year's theme was ethics and human dignity in politics. My topic was, of course, the usual. I went to speak on neocolonialism uh, in Africa and how really the EU policies affect the Africans, especially with regards to funding. Let me not say much more about it because I made some really good videos for you out there in Brussels. Just take a look. So hi friends, this is Uju. Uh, I just wanted to share a little bit of update. I am here at the uh, European Union Parliament here in Brussels, Belgium. Uh, you could see you can see uh, the, the stars, the, the flag, little flag there. And uh, I am just uh, waiting to go into the parliament. The event is today. It's going to be uh, in less than an hour. I'm really, really grateful for all your prayers. I am grateful for all the encouragement uh, that I have got from all of you online. Uh, thank you so much. And watch this space. Let's see how this all goes down. I don't know who's coming, how many people are coming. But all I know is that it's a panel of two people. And the other person on the panel is the former prime minister of Belgium. So. Uh, of course, that's a little bit of a mismatch there. Uh, but again, I am so grateful to be here to bring the message, uh, to, to you know, to bring the work that I have been uh, going through and doing in the last couple of years, uh, to share it with them, to share my own perspective, what I think about their policies, what I think about what Western countries are doing in Africa with regards to funding and the so-called sexual and reproductive health and rights. I am not going to be afraid. I am going to speak the truth uh, and let's see what happens when the truth is spoken here at the EU Parliament. So yeah, we have just come out from the event on bioethics and human dignity and it was really, really successful event. We eventually got to speak and we ran out of time so we couldn't take uh, questions, but it was uh, very informative. It was, uh, you know, a lot of people who, who were there and listened to the speeches were seemed to be very happy and I've had a lot of great feedback. The thing is, many people said they've known about uh, some of these things happening whereby uh, EU countries or you know European countries are going into Africa, they are funding projects, yet those things are not particularly in line with the African view or African uh, sets of values. So my speech today was uh, really on uh, the kind of primacy that has that is now being given to the so-called sexual and reproductive health and rights and how the, the ideology is driving funding and uh, people were actually uh, you know said it was a very refreshing view to hear from the European Parliament so it is such a pleasure it's such an honor it was great to be here and I'm hoping that this conversation gets to continue <music> Now to the segment of what I would like to recommend to you. Today, I would like to recommend to you Marfa 21, which is a very powerful and informative documentary on YouTube. Now, Marfa 21 is about Planned Parenthood and the history of Planned Parenthood, which is in fact steeped in eugenics and yes, racism. Just to give you a little taste of Marfa 21, here is the trailer. 
society can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. I do not join in the belief that the African is our equal in brain or in heart. We are paying for and even submitting to the dictates of an ever-increasing, unceasingly spawning class of human beings who never should have been born at all. The laws of nature require the obliteration of the unfit. The best way to hate a nigger is to hate him before he is born. American eugenicists were routinely praising Hitler and holding up the Nazi eugenics program as a model for the United States to copy. Non-white races must be excluded from America. The red and black races, if left to themselves, revert to a savage or semi-savage state in a short time. The only way possible of decreasing Negro population is by means of controlling fertility. Birth control facilities could be extended relatively more to Negroes than to whites since Negroes are more concentrated in the lower income and education classes. We hope that the restraint of population growth can come about through voluntary means. But if it does not, involuntary methods will be used. There should be national sterilization for certain dysgenic types of our population who are being encouraged to breed and would die out were the government not feeding them. If this movement continues, we soon may be accused of fighting poverty by eliminating the poor and overcoming hunger by removing the hungry. For all their failures, what the eugenics movement had accomplished was to lay the foundation for the next phase of their plan. And this is where they would find the success that they had been chasing for over 100 years. You see what I mean? Very powerful. You can see the entire documentary for free on YouTube and I'm going to put a link for you in the show notes. Marfa 21. Go and watch it. So we've come to the end of episode 4 of Connect the Dots with Obianuju. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel and don't forget to click on the little bell so that you'll get notifications. Now we're also available on iTunes for those who want to listen while they commute. I'll see you here next month.